Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves all the credit. Plus minus. That is a word right there. <laughs> What'd you say? Plus minus. Yeah, like, like you, Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tell the truth. Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well plus respected. Minus. I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history. Welcome to another episode of Warriors Plus Minus. I am your host with three other hosts because we are the hostess with the mostest. Tim Kawakami, the boss man. Ethan Strauss, the Smiley Jeep supporter. <laughs> and Anthony Slater. Anthony Slaker. What's Slaker. up, fellas? We got a preseason game under our belt. Unbelievable. With more to come. I was in the building. Ethan was in the building. Tim was in the building. Slater was the only genius who did not go to the game. Which, by the way, Slater, I will be borrowing your practice <laughs> of writing off TV. Because, yeah, we were sitting too far. I just wasn't a fan. Yeah, I mean, you guys can tell me how the, exactly the uh, environment was, but the TV product was, uh, that was an entertaining broadcast. <laughs> I wanted to be like two rows back. I wanted to hear everything. Like, come yeah, on. No way. No way. Yeah. Music's too loud. Too. No, the angle's better because, you know, we're actually courtside as opposed to the media seats at Chase, which nobody wants to hear media complain, but the regular media seats are terrible. But, you know, we get to see the plays, you get to see the things develop, but yeah, we're not hearing anything because the music's super loud and we're, we're pretty far. So there isn't a, a really a unique experience to it, unless you just want to see Joe Lake and Bob Myers move around uh, on courtside court uh, among nobody else. And the real killer, uh, as me and Ethan struggled with all night, was no food, uh, which is brutal for, for Chase, right? Chase was built on food. Yeah, that was we were struggling, y'all. I, I know, I know the plight of the reporter is not like top of the list. I feel like they could understand this part of it, and maybe we extend it out to the players because I don't know how they're going to do it. But you're not just there for the game. There are a lot of people in our lives, friends, family, who might think that we just show up before tip off and then leave at the horn. And generally, for an NBA game, it's about a six, seven hour experience. And I guess we can go out and eat and come back. So that's good. But I don't know what they're, if that's the rule for the players, I just don't know how that's tenable because they're there for a while. Yeah. I think they have to eat in the parking lot, right? Isn't that, I mean, yes, Steph ate his in the parking lot. Yeah. You can <laughs> in get a car. the food there and you have to take it out. I've just, can you imagine the conversations like from staffers having to enforce these rules? Hey, Draymond, I know you're hungry after that workout. <laughs> yeah. You cannot eat that right there. Yo, Joe, Joe, uh, Draymond, Joe. Draymond, that's a that's a parking lot Chick Fil A. Uh, that's not a that's not a, the security not a guard stopping them while they walk in eating. Like, hey, you got to finish that right there, yeah, buddy. Hey, uh, I'm seeing your mouth move. You're not doing that inside these doors here. How about Bob Myers and his cookies? Like, that's done. Like, oh yeah, that's huge, right? Yeah. 
I'm actually thinking like, say you're a road team, say you're Denver coming in and, you know, you're at a hotel and then you're at the game and, you know, you're used to pregame meals, you're used to snacks and you can't do anything. The Warriors in Brooklyn, you know, they're going to be out there and they're going to have to eat everything before they go in the arena. It's going to be bizarre. I, I think they're going to have to think through this. What about protein shakes, by the way? I don't know. Do we know, is this like a San Francisco County, like only Warriors rule or is it like every arena they go to? Because... Actually, San Francisco, but I would I would bet it's in a lot of others. But I think it's this is specific to San Francisco. Well, that's interesting because you're gonna have some angry road teams then that come in and are like, man, our you know you know the Dallas Mavericks like, man, we got like you know eight thousand people at our games. What do you mean we can't eat in your arena? Like, I think they're gonna have to set something up in the garage and for everybody where they can you know it can be a like you're not having fans in there, so you can just have a little setup where players you know it's almost like gonna be like a little. You know, little, little cubby hole where players can go and eat and make sure that they're not starving going into games. So you still want you want players to have energy. You don't want the lesser product. You want the same product. But we'll see. We'll see if they think through all that. I don't think it'll last. It's not tenable. And I wonder for media will it last. I, I think the way I felt about it, I think the way Marcus felt about it, it was we appreciate the effort. We appreciate the effort of what the Warriors were trying to do with what they did. It was interesting to get rapid testing. Mine took 37 minutes, so that was pretty cool. But as far as an experience is concerned, it's a matter of what are you really getting out of it. If you can't talk to people, and if it's over Zoom anyway, and you're not getting that pregame milling about, I mean, like, we might talk about the uh, the great Smile of Geach later, right? But let's we're, we're looking at him. Is he going to be on the team because he's got some Laker backing, or do, do the coaches think he can't play? The, the place where you get a straight answer on that is milling about pregame talk to a coach you know it's not something they'd necessarily be comfortable maybe texting about but if you put a man to a question like Doyle Brunson uh, said in poker whatever he said a, a man to a decision they're generally straight with you and that's where you get those answers and you, you can't really do that in this environment so it makes you wonder mm, maybe what's the point of showing up I've been going through this with the various other leagues, Leith, and this is not new. The NFL is all Zoom. Baseball was all Zoom. You know, this is what life is. Uh, and I think the NBA bubble was a little better than that, but that was a whole that was a whole different thing. There was a very few reporters in that bubble, and there was a little bit of interaction. Well, there's like an eight-day quarantine to even get in. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's a, a it's whole a pan- lot of money to be there. Exactly. It's a, it's a pandemic. We understand that, but you're right. There are are going to be little things like that that aren't going to be shared and we have to understand that but like this is not new to the nba either <laughs> nfl's been brutally tough it's been tough to do again fans don't care but some of the but you can bring food call- at least yeah, yeah you can that is true because you're just going you're just going to a game but the interaction part you know the be able to chat with a coach or two or you know have a few words with a player that that's done uh for now and hopefully, you know, maybe by spring, you know, we're talking, you know, maybe NBA playoffs, it'll be different. We'll see. But the experience was a little antiseptic. You're up there watching them. That's it. And you're not even getting to listen to Joe Lacob on the TV broadcast later. I heard that was just amazing. For our profession, phone numbers have never mattered more. Yeah. As far as the Lacob interview, um, yeah, I mean, he was, it had it had some people going on Twitter. Uh, it, I mentioned this before the pod, I was just surprised they split screened it. I mean, it was like we mentioned the the benefits of of going to the arena or reporting at home right now. I, I came to really enjoy covering the Lakers in the playoffs <laughs> because 
you know, I could kind of do it off TV and, you know, you immediately get the synergy clips and stuff and, hey, that play happened, let me rewind it. And sometimes maybe you catch something in the broadcast, like a Joe Lacob uh, in-game interview. But the weird part is, like, I'm trying to watch the game and half the screen is Joe Lacob in a mask. In an Under Armour mask, by the way. I don't know if you guys saw that. I don't know if that was pandering or what. But it was, I don't know. Have you guys, like, gone back and listened to any of the, the interviews? I have not. I have not. I just heard about it. Yeah, I saw some clips. I guess one thing, a few things we could see that were of value for showing up in person. Tim and I were watching Joe and Steph, speaking of that Under Armour mask, having a warm, extended pregame conversation, which I think represents a shift in their relationship. I don't think it was that warm and fuzzy before. So My that was goodness, one you saw one sideline conversation? Are you ready to put them in a booth together or a TV show? Jeez. In the context of those two, it was notable. I've and never seen them have that long a conversation. I, I, will, I mean, I, the I dude that, moved yeah. to Joe's neighborhood. That's I would true. say they've had these conversations already. <laughs> on the golf course. Yeah, on the golf course. <laughs> I think that facilitated it, maybe. They've I'll got just say this. Without a crowd, Joe Lacob is going to be like the star of the show for any other shot, right? It's there's just it's going to be Joe because he's going to be there. He was there with the entire front office staff, you know, sitting all right there in the first two rows. So any kind of reaction, it's going to be Joe Lacob. And there's some good to that and there's some bad to that. I think the interview, from what I've heard, went on way too long. and It was way too much of the screen. I think it was probably NBC Sports Bay Area trying to please Joe Lacob as much as possible. They're going to be mad I said that, but I don't care. That's what it was. And it was bad TV, from what I've heard. Again, I didn't see it, but from the reaction. In some ways, you was, could argue it was fantastic TV. Yeah, it was weird TV. It was, it was definitely we're talking about it. But it's a you know yet another example of a TV network you know trying to please the owner as very much as possible and went way over the line and that's hey so sometimes it happens that way and it's, it's we can note it when it does hey you know it's an exhibition game so what and they won't do it again and you know what I'm gonna go to these games though I mean I know you guys don't love it but I like watching the full court i like the oracle seats these are just like our oracle media seats. says the guy who can walk to the game well hey hey hey, hey. <laughs> <a> minor detail <laughs> that is true and went home like during the fourth quarter and and still got to see the end of the game i plan to go to the home opener and then see you know like you know the other thing with you know maybe they do adjust some things and maybe come february some of the rules are laxed and there is some type of food in the building you know we'll see i did hear from a couple of people how they you know they wanted to be able to come like talk with us like you know because the way they've got it is these zones right we're in the yellow zone red zone yeah yeah so there are people like like i don't understand why we can't come up and hang with the media i was like wow people people on the warrior staff want to come talk to us they were like i don't know i'm, I'm sorry we're, we're gonna see if we can get to be able to come up there it was interesting with how people have been sequestered, we would never have gotten a warmer greeting than right now. Could we oh, get they it? love uh, us, right? <laughs> <laughs> so happy. I mean, you guys say that. I went to the Wiseman press conference. I know we've talked about this on a past pod, but the entire front office and coaching staff came out to watch. I was there. Monty Poole was there. Mark Spears was there. And they were happy to see us and happy to chat with us. And there was some of that, like, wow, this feels somewhat normal. Like media people, you know, around trying to like pull information out of us. Come on over and pull some information. It's not shocking to me that there was, I don't know who you guys are talking They're about. They're the opposite of Kyrie, right? They're like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kyrie talked. He talked. We're talking. Let's we're doing go talk to those he talked, he talked on Monday. No, he talked to the media. He was very nice. Apparently. I mean, but he didn't want to, is the point. He did not want to. Well, who wants to? Who really wants to the warriors clearly want to chat they want to hang with us that's what i'm saying they want to 
It would have to transition this too further before we talk like Warriors basketball. basketball. Dur- Durant looked good last night, though. I thought <laughs> that's the <laughs> opening game, by the way. He, that's lo- he looks pretty good, yo. He's still Kevin Durant. He's going to be ladder career Dirk Nowitzki at at worst with just the way he can shoot. And I think Mike Mike Prado was pointing out that he doesn't really have much of a dip when he shoots. It's a lot of arms anyway, so he might be in a better position to still be effective. But yeah, I think that was a positive result for the the old Brooklyn Nets across the coast. So that's uh, he looked good the last two times we saw him. Right, (laughs) he was was really (laughs) good in the finals in Game Five when he came back. Oof, yeah. Um, no, for real. He was, looked great when he came no, back. No, 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 no. But, yeah, I think it, it He can make it shots. That speak. guy can make shots. I mean, now, you know, can he explode past somebody? You know, maybe not right now. We'll see. First play of the entire game was, I thought, encouraging. It was like a pump fake, fly-by, drive, dunk. And it was like, okay. The dunk, you know. yeah. That's where I was like, oh, he's feeling good. He dunked it. We'll see. He's, he's, he's Kevin Durant still. He's still Kevin Durant. He can, he can be able to get buckets. The Durant debut, the return of KD, had nothing on the 2021 debut of Alan Smilicic, who <laughs> We're going <laughs> there before some of the encouragement. I thought you were going to go Mulder. Well, I like, I like where I'm at. Yo, so yo, no, hold on. Ethan yeah, was yeah. literally like living and dying body, with every Smilicic play. Every time Smilicic would do something, he would be like, oh, my God, that was terrible. Or, he, was oh, doing it in the, he was doing it in the warm-ups. He was doing it in the warm-ups. <laughs> I'm in a great position on the Smilicic thing because – Unlike some, I've never even said he'll crack the rotation. But if we're doing a Price is Right, given the where this podcast is at, it's like all of you went, Smiley Geach is worth $1, $1, $1. And I went two, so I'm perfectly hedged where if he breaks out, oh man, I, I was the only one who saw it. But if he, if he really you know looks the way he looked in that first game and continues to do so... I never predicted anything for the guy. So it's all upside as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the Alan Smiley Geach show. I'll just say if, if if it's him or Michael Mulder, which it could come down to, it, it shouldn't be it, it shouldn't even be a question. It shouldn't even be a question. Now maybe they hold on to him. He's a sunk cost. Uh, you don't want to pay him money. They've and invested luxury tax, a lot yeah, of yeah, time and, and luxury into. tax money and all those. But if it comes down to that, somebody who can actually help the team this season and you know one of Steph' prime years. Uh, it's got to be Michael Mulder. I don't think there's a question about it. I don't think there's a question in the coaching staff's mind. Mulder was maybe the best player in that game. <laughs> whoa, okay, okay, whoa, okay. He had, three big, he had three nice catch-and-shoot threes. <laughs> On the Warriors' side, of guys who played the best, I mean, it's, it's I thought Oubre was him solid. and Looney. I thought Oubre was solid. Oubre, Oubre Bazemore was yeah. great. Wanamaker. Yeah, I mean, listen, they've, they've got more guys this We're season. We're working our way there. We started at the bottom with Smilogy. One thing I would... I just wanted to say on Smiley Geese, I understand like the investment that they made. They traded two second round picks for him. Like that's tough, you know, it's tough to give up on that. And so bought, quickly. didn't they buy a pick? Well, no, they, they traded New Orleans two second round picks, which to go up to get 39. And then they, even though they had 41, apparently from what I've heard, they thought Sacramento at 40 was maybe going to take them. By the way, guys, in preparation for this podcast, I rewatched the Smiley Geach defense just in preparation on, on whatever that. Are you torturing yourself so, over oh, there? Oh, man, he's really all in on the Smiley Geach. <laughs> well, I, I was curious because I was sitting near Tim and in the second, I mean, Smiley Geach comes out just geeching all over the place at the uh, in the first That half. sounds... You know, rated R. <laughs> no, but he's he's making plays. He's making, making like a fist plays, pump. He's, <laughs> well, he he had a block shot where he grabbed the ball right, and he he got a bucket. And it's like okay, smile a geech. Let's see where this goes. 
And then the wheels really came off, especially defensively. And I was curious. I was thinking, did he not know where to be, right? Because that's that's the thing that's going to really annoy Kerr is if he doesn't know where to be in this uh, drop coverage. And so I rewatch on Synergy the defensive uh, second half that he had. And yeah, maybe he screws up on the play and lets Composo get a three. But is it worse that he was just getting scored on repeatedly and I couldn't identify a mistake. That's the question I'm posing to you guys. Which is worse? He's doing he, he's making obvious mistakes that he can fix, and that's the reason for the scoring, or he was probably doing everything right and the Nuggets were just looking at him like a slot machine. So here's the issue I have with Smiley Each. If, in theory, he hits his ceiling and becomes an NBA rotation player, what age will that be at? 24, 25 maybe? And, and he's, what is he, 20? He's 20, he's 20 So we're talking about 2025, maybe? Like, maybe he will be on a roster in 2025 contributing. But the problem is, that will, will that be on the Warriors? I mean, the Warriors need to probably make a decision on him by the before next season. I mean, he has two non-guaranteed years. Like, they can't just keep basically, you know, in a sense, wasting a roster spot on this project for another half decade? I mean, that's kind of the issue, that even if Smiley Geach somehow down the line becomes a player, I just don't think it can be with the Warriors. And at some point... When do you stop, in, you know, investing so much into that? Not to mention, they'll get more picks. They'll get more picks. They'll get players who will come in, and they'll be young, and they'll be able to produce right away, and you're still waiting on this guy. The clay injury, I think, really is the roster math here. So you're basically going to have two roster spots devoted to players you're not going to play. Uh, that becomes a problem when you lose a player. Like, we're talking Mulder. Again, he's played well. I think he's always looked decent with the Warriors. He could be a useful player, and you're going to offload him because you have two players that who aren't going to play. And one of them's hurt, you know, obviously. And the other one is Smilegate, who you're just who's healthy and you're not going to play it. And I'll go back to Ethan's point. Did you see, like, Michael Malone, as soon as Smilegate was in the game, he's, like, telling his guard, go there, attack there. And they went five straight times at Smilegate. That's problematic, and it, it wasn't Jamal Murray doing it either, by the way. So Kambazo. yeah, yeah, that, that is you know Kambazo and Hartenstein on the pick and roll are destroying the Warriors, and I do I think Smilagich was trying. I think he was in the right spot, but it doesn't matter. You know, he's just one of the, those guys where he's there. Uh, oh, layup anyway. You know, there's there's guys in the NBA like that, and the opponents certainly know it, and that's a problem, especially because they they have essentially don't have a 15 man roster. They have a 14 man roster. And they need guys who can, you know, help them out in times of injury, in times of depth. And God, Michael Mulder would help them out at some point. They can keep Mulder on the roster on his non-guarantee. I mean, 200,000 of it guarantees, I think, on December 22nd opening night. He could be 15 that you could still have smiling each. But there's probably going to come a point down the line, particularly if we're talking about maybe using the designated player exception. Had me having questions about Mulder, actually, because he looked great. He looked fantastic. He looked long. I thought he looked long too. He looked like, long. Yeah. He he. And so it made me wonder what's going arms, on behind man. the scenes. And th- this is why we wish we had some of that milling about pregame atmosphere. He's smaller. He gets bullied. He gets bullied in practice a little bit. He's just. I had somebody tell me, "Oh man, we love that shooting. We just wish it came in a little bit bigger of a package." Essentially, like they they kind of wish he's six three and a bit slender. Like he tries hard. He is long, but. I think Mulder would be, you know, there's this, oh, can he be like a Duncan Robinson? It's like Duncan Robinson's like 6'7 or something. That is his maybe flaw that keeps him on the fringe of the NBA. But at the same time, if he's going to catch and shoot with that quick trigger like that, and if if he can be, he ha- to me, he has to be 37, 38, 39%. He can't be 30. He can't be 30. That's for yeah. sure. 
that's that, that's the like deciding point. Year. But again, to go back to our original conversation, he's a lot readier to maybe contribute than another guy on the roster. Were those the two biggest threes of Smiley Geech's career so far? And he and he missed them, and that's just kind of how it goes. He almost he got the rebound him. though. <laughs> yep. <laughs> hey, there's two more games. Smiley Geech might dominate the Sacramento Kings in the last two games. We, we shall see. I don't want to be too. Oh, and then Vivek does but, a trade. Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Oh, my goodness. I don't think the project's going to end after the preseason. Yeah, I, I'd probably be surprised. Not. If probably they not. They have. Oh, he's man. a sunk cost. And at this point, he's not killing him on the roster. But uh, there will be a point. There will be a point where it, it really might be costly. Let's talk about the players who are in the rotation. How about the players who are in the rotation? Let's talk about a key player who did not look good. You making anything of uh, Steph's sluggishness and struggles? Uh, he still hasn't made shots in chase like at, at the pace you would expect from Steph. Anything to think of there? It's not a good sign. You don't want to overinterpret it because it is preseason. You wonder if veterans just go at their own pace. I remember Kenny Smith telling a story about preseason with Akeem for the first time and going, "This you made all this out of this guy? This guy's not good at all. And then he turned into Hakeem Olajuwon once the actual season started. So I don't know if Steph's on that program, but you're looking for signs. You know, it's information. You don't want to jump to a crazy conclusion, but I think we can be honest when we go okay, this is a good sign. Okay, this is a bad sign. I don't think it was a positive sign is what I would say. He didn't really look completely locked in. He didn't look like he had that burst that we've seen in past preseasons and the shot wasn't totally there. So yeah, not the greatest sign. I saw him make one from the stands. What do you mean he doesn't like Chase Center? You got that shot now. I thought he was pretty fluid out there. I thought he moved well, but yeah, the shooting was just... He's a little off, no, no, no question. And, you know, there's a times when he's not sure. Slater wrote about it. Like, it just doesn't look like he's totally aware where these new teammates are going to be. That's understandable. What's he played? Three games at Chase Center? Four games at Chase Center in, in two seasons? So I, I'm willing to say, let's see how it plays out. Also, in an empty arena, like, you know, that changes the dimensions of things. Jamal Murray didn't shoot the ball very well. You don't know. We shall see how this all develops. I'm not ready to, to set an alarm bell there on that one. We'll, we'll see how this plays out. I was more interested in Ubre, frankly. I, the, the fact that he was attacking people on perimeter defense. Willing shooter. I don't know how great you know, he's going to be a 32, 33 percent, you know, shooter. 35 last yeah. year. 35 was he 30, yeah, he looks Oubre like he's, Oubre he's, Oubre 35. Well, he got the, good looks. End. He made them, though. I, yeah, I, I yeah. like that. Corner, he just did, he's going to be a, he, yeah, he's a, a corner, corner three, three yeah. shooter. Yeah. You know, if he has to fade away a little bit, it's not going to be good. If he's standing still straight up, he's going to be a guy who can hit some shots. But it's just that toughness. Just in like. Ball comes off the rims, you know, it looks like some, you know, somebody's going to, Michael Porter's going to get it, and it's just Oubre knocking it away. Ball's down, then Oubre grabs it. It's stuff like that that they did not do last season. Wanamaker's digging in there, grabbing a ball out of somebody's hands. That's what looked different to me. Again, exhibition game, Nuggets were not playing full speed very clearly. Jamal Murray certainly wasn't. Maybe Jokic was. I thought that looked just different. You, we didn't see that out of Alec Burks and Jordan Poole and D'Angelo Russell and, you know, Glenn Robinson. Just didn't see that stuff. And Ubre for sure, is going to be a guy who, like, he's just going to knock people around. He's going to—the ball's going to be deflected. He's going to be after it. He's going to knock it to somebody else. Uh, and that helps win games. Uh, and I think Ubre's you know, he's not a great player, but, man, they needed stuff like that. It was the problem we—, we 
talked about a lot of this time off was the lack of athleticism, the lack of size, the lack of just juice on the roster that was very clear to them when they did the bubble training camp. And then the other point I want to make, back to the Curry question and the Curry struggles, I just was on a podcast with Sam Amick and Tony Jones. We were going through the Western Conference tiers and like this idea that you know Utah, Portland, right now, in most people's opinions, is ahead of the Warriors because that's like the continuity tier. It's just a team that everyone knows where everyone's going to go. With Steph, particularly, because of his uniqueness, the way he just kind of scatters and improvs off the ball, there was just like a lot of bumper cars going on a little bit around. Like, well, Steph's over here. Like, oh, Pascal's like, wait, should I not be over there? And then, obviously, there was a couple Steph turnovers that were just – and you're hearing it in the way Kerr's talking, and you really see it in, when Steph's on the floor, but this is a team that's going to need some time. It really is going to need some time. It sounds like the coaching staff is warning of a slow start, and I you could already kind of see there's going to be some awkward moments. It wasn't quite last year's slow start warning, though, right? No, no, quite. no. It's like it's like we think we can. You know, he's even talking about elite top ten defense, which I'm surprised he's putting that label. Steve Kerr is putting that label so loudly on what they can be defensively, but it also seems to be coming on the back of hey, they might be four and seven through eleven games. And by the way, they still got to get Draymond and Wiseman into this. So it's good. That's, again, a thing that hit me like, okay, well, they're that's different now. that's a huge now. factor for Curry, yeah. right? Like yes. Draymond in oh, there means, no the, means the world and, to him. And Wiseman for the lobs, if they can work that in. That's what I felt about this. Like They look better, whatever, stronger, not great, but they look tougher. And they didn't even have Draymond and, and Wiseman. It, it, and whenever that happens, it looks like Wiseman's a lot closer than Draymond. Just, just to see them out there, it's, it's going to be a different looking team, and that's going to be another adjustment for Steph to have to make. But I think he'll take it. <laughs> and when you upgrade the talent like that, and you upgrade it again, I think we're going to see some sloppiness two, three weeks into the season. I don't think there's a question. We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Kerr said that he didn't know literally where Wiseman and, and Draymond were. Do you think he was being honest, or do you think he was just... In case there's any protocol breakage, I'm just I'm just declared because I saw Wiseman on the floor after the game. He was on the bench. After the game. He was on the bench during yeah. the game. Yeah, so it's just strange. I, I think Kerr's navigating a lot of weird stuff. I think he knew where Wiseman was and he didn't know where Draymond was, is what I think it was. <laughs> I think he knew where Draymond was at his house and was like, yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of that last there, there was a lot of frustration I remember from Steve last year. You know, because Clay was very rarely at games and, and even Steph for a while. And not only the fact that, you know, his leaders weren't necessarily around, but there was a lot of, like, we'd go on the road and it would be Steph on the road trip. It's Clay. He he got, he would always be like, I, I don't know. I'm worried, you know, I'm worried about these, these nine people, half of them, you know, fringe G-leaguers that I'm trying to, like, get to win a game. Like, I don't know if Clay Thompson's in the building tonight and I don't really care. And I think there was a little of that. So who was the most impressive? Who stood out Wanamaker? to you? Wanamaker, just the just, it's a defense, it's a toughness. He's not, you know, again, he, he's not going to score the, he's not going to score a lot. And but he's going to get to the put, rack, yo. He had one finish where I was yeah. like, yo, that's pretty good for a dude. He, he's going to get the rim. rim. He's going to create shots, possibly for that second unit. That stuff is good. Again, it, it's like it, it ties the team together. That stuff. Steve talks about Livingston and what the air, whatever he was asked about, but the spiritual air. That's what it was. If I'm mad at myself, I'm getting crushed for being a smile geech optimist when I've never even said that he's going to crack the rotation. What I have said on this podcast before was that I was predicting a Kevon Looney renaissance. And I think I might have seen the beginnings of a Kevon Looney renaissance if we're talking players who played best in that game. 
Listen, I don't know anybody's. He was Kevon Looney. That, that, yeah, that if he's that if he's healthy, he's important. But yeah, I think the, the question marks mostly from Slater and I are. It doesn't mean he's going to be healthy. What tells you he's going to be healthy for seventy-two games? Hey man, I'm breaking out the mutton. I'm breaking out the weird hats. I'm breaking out the the, the robes and the night attire. It's it's a Kevon Looney Renaissance based off one game already. He looked more like Kevon Looney than he looked like Kevon Looney at any point last year. I would agree with that. With Watermaker, Watermaker is a strange player. And there's Celtics fans always in my mention about him. Like, oh, you think the strips? Like, wait till oh, he doesn't pass yeah, the step on a fast break. Why do they hate Watermaker? Why do they, they hate don't, him so They don't necessarily <laughs> hate him, but I think there's flaws that over the course of a season are going to come clearer to us. Apparently, tunnel vision on a fast break. Jason Tatum's over there wide open on the wing. Wanamaker's going to the rim. Doesn't matter if there's three defenders there. There's a little bit of that. Yeah, we um, saw that in the East Finals, though, right? Like, yeah, where he was just yeah. like, I'm getting so, to the rim. So, you know, there's a reason why he wasn't, you know, wasn't in the NBA until the age of, whatever, 29. And, and there's, hey, look, the Celtics could have brought him back. He was a restricted free agent. The Celtics just let him go. I mean, there's, and that's typically a smart organization. So, but at the same time, he's clearly a rotational upgrade at the backup guard that they didn't have last year. And then I think one of the stranger stats of, of the last season, like the guy led the NBA in free throw percentage, 92% free throw shooter. He got to the line four times and made all four the other night. As a 19-minute-per-game bench guy, usually shoots about two free throws and makes two every game. That's kind of an interesting little ring. And that's him. a guy you can play with Steph. He, that's a guy you can play with Steph. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time, but he could initiate and can get Steph a, you know, a look uh, and maybe de- and defense. You know, you probably can't defend the, have the bigger guard guards. Him. Yeah, yeah, you do have to guard him. He can make a play for you, and he can play with Steph. And, and they need people like that. They get this, like, so Steph isn't on the ball for all 34 minutes of a game. And if it's a tough game, it's going to be 38 minutes. And Wanamaker can do that. Again, it won't be great, but if he's not a great shooter, who do you want to play him with? You probably want to play him with Steph Curry. Yeah, the second unit, I don't know. Or Jordan Poole. Or Jordan, Jordan Poole, Poole, the way yeah. he was stroking it. He had Jordan some Poole, moments. He's better. Jordan Poole's better than he was last season. He better be let better than he was last season. Ethan gets his loony moment. I think Marcus can have his Jordan Poole moment. Because Marcus has definitely been the loudest Jordan Poole backer on the podcast. I just don't like how we're putting, just all of a sudden taking Ethan off Smiley Geek and putting him on Looney. Like, nah, he's got Well, he can have both. Trust me, he got the, he he, the Smiley Geek <laughs> segment early, so. He's got to ride this one out. I'm just not writing off his entire career is where I am with the optimism, given where this podcast is. And I think that needs to be clear. I am not I'm not making him the new Bertans. Let's let's put it that way. No, you are. You are. You're there. I do think one of the new <laughs> I know I do think one of the main like one of the key things Wanamaker brings is just a guy who can get to the rim when he wants. It's just something the Warriors tend to not have. And it matters. It's a factor, especially when you don't have shooting. Think about it. If they don't have shooting, how many guys they have who can get to the rim? It's not that many dudes who could take it from the wing. They didn't have that many at the rim. In the dynasty years, they didn't have people who go to the rim. Yeah. They don't have dudes like that. So I understand like why Boston might not be enamored, but he definitely brings a trait that the Warriors just don't have. And when you don't have, like, obviously, even with shooters is better because now you spread the floor, you can you can make it happen. But you got to be able to get to the cup if you can't shoot. And I do think that will be something they can bank on, is him being able to get to the rim and to finish and to draw the fouls and get make to the free the throw freeze. line. Make the yeah, that, 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 you, that's you know who's going to love him? Draymond's going to love him. I wouldn't be shocked if there's certain nights this year if Wiggins is playing like he did in the opener and we can get to Wiggins, 19-whatever minutes, 
Draymond looks over at the bench with five minutes left in the close game and goes, get Brad Wanamaker on the floor for Wiggins. Oh, wow. Just certain nights, certain nights. The, the, you know, we, we know those wow. Wiggins nights. We know those yeah. Wiggins nights. There's also going to be nights where Wiggins has 24 and Draymond might be struggling. And, and maybe Wiggins goes, hey, how about we get Pascal out here for Draymond? You know what I mean? Though? Like, you know, Brad Wanamaker come close this game. Come guard Damian Lillard. Come over weak side, strip Nurkic in a big moment. Those are the, like I Draymond mean, loves I mean, that. TK basically called a big dollar on. <laughs> no, no, I quoted. I he quoted, quoted later doing quoted it. Then me. I got people mad at me. Then I got people mad at me. People think I have Smiley Geach headed for the Hall of Fame, and Tim called Wanamaker the new Igadala. What other straw mannings can we do to us all? And that was funny though. That was funny. Like literally, you pointed out one stat. Oh, you're saying that the same? <laughs> no, no. I, I didn't even point out the stat. They started accusing me. I was like, wait a minute. Let's look up the stats here, and they're like very similar on with this one thing. This one thing. Yeah, historically, like he could, he does those quick hand strips, which he had three of them in 19 minutes. Tim's exact words were, "He's going to win a, a Finals MVP." Yeah, too. no question. I think that was the exact. I don't think thing. I'm ready for Tim to uh, spark the debate if if Brad Wanamaker has a better career than Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. That's next. That's oh, next. Yeah. That's what's next. Hall of Fame. Brad Wanamaker in the Hall of in the Hall of Fame. Oh God. Oh, well, I'll just say this. Uh, the coaches love Brad Wanamaker. They love him. Now, oh, Steve loves this, him. Yeah, man. this could change. Who knows? I mean, if he's terrible, things change. But he's exactly the kind of player that coaches love. He's a grown man. He doesn't need the ball. He goes through everything, you know, willingly. Mistakes. Doesn't yeah. make mistakes. He makes his free throws. We'll see if he can hit a shot. He, he theoretically can. His NBA career says he can hit a shot or two. And he's just not ego. He's in the he's right not, like, position. They don't, have, you know, yeah. they don't have to deal with him. They just know what he's going to do. And, again, we can keep going back to last season. It was so drastic. They didn't have people who knew what they were doing. They were just kind of running around. And, hey, Pascal survived in that. He flourished in that. Nobody else did. He's a grown up. You know, they brought in the grown ups. And, you know, they missed it when, when oh, Steph's asking the Iguodala for Andre. Iguodala adult in yeah, the room. Exactly. Exactly. He exactly. He's Iguodala. <laughs> but this is, and, you know, but, but, you know, they did it. They brought Barbosa and Livingston back into the organization. Like, they're just craving this, which it was so, so much of a fall off. From two seasons ago to last season, just in not, in not just in talent, we all felt it in the locker room, right? We're looking around. Like, all of a sudden, everybody's twenty-three years old in here. It's bizarre. They feel they brought in this maturity. They're adding some youth to it. No question, Wiseman is youth, and some others. But Wiseman doesn't seem like a young nineteen, by the way. He seems like a pretty poised nineteen. And Wanamaker is kind of the you know he's the symbol of this. He's not the best part of it. But he's a symbol of this for the coaching staff to feel like, okay, we are invested in somebody that we know that we can coach. And a bunch of those guys they had last season were not that, Kate. We're not that. You know, like, Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks are veterans, but they're just not guys that can win them games in, in, in a six-minute stretch. And I think they feel very strongly that Wanamaker can. Man, Kent Bazemore looks incredible. Like, <laughs> looked better than I'd seen him in a while. He was great in transition. He he finished in traffic. What did he finish with like 13 points? He had five rebounds. He was getting to the line. Like Baysmore, I was wondering uh where he would play. He might be a lock for that second unit. If this is a precursor. I think he went out and played like all right, yeah, this is my spot. And you know, there were some people uh including myself who were like, "Yo, I mean, should you get like Glenn Robinson with this position or, you know, get another guy who could shoot. But the way he puts pressure 
in transition fits what the Warriors trying to do. Now they have another wave of guys who can do that. I thought he looked really, looked younger than what he looked before. Like he just looked more spry. I thought it was a great return for the base. Even on the bench, he was hyped. Oh, the bench was crazy. The bench was nuts, yeah. Which is, it's a quiet arena. They're trying to get everybody lit up. But Marquise Chris... Baysmore, they were going nuts over there. I was going to mention that. It was just like they were screaming. That's the one thing we could hear. We'd hear them screaming. A lot of room and an empty arena, but it was kind of interesting to see. You know, Denver was into it too, but not, not quite the same. And Baysmore is going to be big on that. Now, he pounded the ball a little bit too. Like, he just dribbled, 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 dribbled. I think one of them dribbled, 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 went timeout, 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 timeout. I don't like that. But they need some of that on the second unit, right? I mean, you need creator. And any time that Steph's not playing, you need somebody who can initiate the offense, who can, can get the defense to move a little bit. That's what that second unit during the dynasty years didn't have. But, you know, Wanamaker and Baysmore and, you know, Marquise Chris and Pascal, that's got the makings of something interesting in that second unit. A little more, it's a hardy second unit. It's a deep team. I do wonder if it's going to be easy for everybody to find their fit. Pascal looked a little out of place to me, and that's even before Draymond's coming back, even before Wiseman's coming back. That's something to watch, I think. And I do think looking at this team, and it's one of the reasons why Mulder needs to make it, frankly, not enough shooting. That was one of my takeaways. My main takeaways were this defense uh, collaboratively. God, it's hard to say. Collectively with all the length. That's from from Topsy Turvy, the movie. That's a a good word in there. It has potential to be good. It has a potential to be even maybe better than just top 10. They can really turn teams over. And then on the other side of the ball, you got a lot of dudes who can do a lot of things, but shooting typically isn't one of them for these guys. And it just seems like maybe it will have to be resolved with a trade or some moves as the season goes along because it's a lot of depth, but there is still this one. We they have a stretch big who Ethan loves very well. Starting line. No, 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 no. Starting line. You talking about line. Looney, right? You talking about Looney, right? <laughs> nah, smile like No, uh, yeah, we could talk about I mean, Ethan wrote a story about Wiseman's shot. But yeah, one, I'll just say, I don't know that Pascal works with a starting lineup. I just, you know, again, one game we've seen it. We know he's not going to be in there when Draymond's there. I just don't think that it's not his thing. He's going to be good on a second unit where he can be the off, you know, a guy who's going to get most of the shots. I don't know that he's a screener and a cutter and, a, you know, move off the ball. I just don't feel that with him. And you, that's what you want with Steph. And I don't know that this, the Curry minutes are going to be the Pascal minutes. And, and I don't think they should be. What I do like is, man, he gets in there and rebounds, man. He's aggressive on the boards. And. You know, rebound is going to be a deal. There, there are times where they're pretty small. Uh, Ethan pointed out a couple of times we were watching, like, uh, Slater, this is what you've been saying, like, watching Marquise Chris try to guard Jokic. Which <laughs> is like, yo. He's not a center. Like, he, he came into the league as a small, forward. Uh, a small <laughs> the, forward, right? Like, the Suns had him, like, shooting threes. His, like, he shot, like, 250 threes his rookie year. as like a wing. I mean, that's, like, a forgotten part of his career. And obviously that was phoenix's issues but uh yeah there's a reason they needed to either get james wiseman which they did or a big center probably should have gotten a second big center tried to really the funny thing with baysmore though and you could even hear it in steve Kerr's comments where he mentioned the stuff about wanamaker and like how reliable whatever and then he's like baysmore's a wild card you know and you literally just already tell he's like there's yeah. gonna be nights i don't really yeah. want him. he doesn't trust bays he doesn't i mean steve he did have three turnovers so you know and 
what Thursday he likes to dri- he likes to dribble the ball. He do- he likes to dribble the ball, you know, and kind of survey the scene, and everybody else can kind of cut and move, and that's great. But I'm dribbling the ball here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find that fadeaway. I'm gonna find that 18 foot fadeaway. There's hey, a reason you know. him and Steph are friends, and there's they have they have similar court personality traits. They're risky. Now, Bazemore is very much. Of I a- thought Under Armour was a reason. They were <laughs> the, the the only wild player Steve ever gave carte blanche to was Barbosa. That's the no only question. one. No question. Yeah, it doesn't really fit his vibe. You got to be what? Brazilian. You got to be Brazilian, and then you're fine. If you're not Brazilian, you better not turn the ball. True, Verja was kind of talking about yeah, a wild exactly, card. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe that's the secret for Steve right there. I've got a question. It's out, outside of the team because we're starting to see these guys for the first time across the league. Were there any moments where you looked at what some of these other draft picks are doing and you thought, ooh, go ahead and get your LaMelo takeoff? Go ahead and get it no, off. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm asking you guys. I'm not trying to get a takeoff. I didn't here. see it. I, mean, I didn't see it. Look, 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 okay, the LaMelo. You know what take Ethan's about to get off? Denny Avija just went like, ah, that's it. See, Slater exactly knows right. me. <laughs> Slater knows me. The LaMelo take that Marcus was present for was just, I'm looking because LaMelo's playing during the game we're watching. And NBA Twitter is so funny because. I, I'm going like, oh, I'm I'm looking at the timeline a little bit, and they're saying Lamelo belongs. Lamelo is here. Lamelo is Hall of Famer. I wish my team drafted Lamelo. Did you see that pass? Oh my God, Lamelo! I go. Oh, let me check out this box score. I'm curious about this right here. It looks like he was dominating and zero points. <laughs> I can't remember the final uh, oh, stat for, line, oh, for three. Was... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, is that not NBA Twitter in a nutshell right there? And look, maybe they were looking at things and I saw the, the clip of that really great behind the back pass and the outlet. Nah, he's um, making some good passes. Come on. You got to give him that. He had very good. No, no that. doubt. But I think Ethan's reservations with him were always like, is he ever going to be able to finish with any consistency yeah, yeah, at the rim? Yeah. Is he going to shoot it? And like, Zero it points. was the one understood part, and, of and I game. felt the same way about my my guy Killian Hayes. Where it's just if you're if you're missing, then that that's almost the first order of business as a point guard. You need to be able to score, and we think of it as passing and table setting, but you have to be able to score. And so I grimace in that direction for that first Lamelo game. I grimace in the direction of the first two Hayes games, knowing that they're in a tough situation because no summer league. You know, it's a very weird situation. They're just thrown into the fire immediately. But generally, you know, it's not like, I guess what I'm saying is I didn't react to the first LaMelo game going, oh my God, the Warriors made the mistake of a century. Maybe they did, but that's not my takeaway yeah, from the first I game. I think before we could even have any opinion on that, it's like there just needs to be any type of look at Wiseman. And, you know, you talk to people behind the scenes and like all of the early reports are how they all really like They're Wiseman. trying to contain themselves, right? <laughs> trying to temper it a little bit. He fits what they need. I think they see it like this is what we need right here. This look how big he is. Look how smooth he is. You know, and they're you know I, said, I talked to Mike Brown on the podcast last week, and he just essentially was saying, you know, we're gonna run it this way, but then we're gonna really gonna have when Wiseman's posting up, then we're gonna get to Wiseman. It wasn't like this. Oh, eventually he might get in the lineup, and eventually no, it's like. When we're doing this and stuff's over there, then Wiseman does this. They are already thinking it through, and they know he does stuff that no one else on, on that roster is capable of doing, and, and that's a big deal. Yeah, I talked to Zaza and he um, briefly, and uh, he's he likes him. They're handing him to the the Zazas of the world, you know, Jaron and and it, even Looney. I know has talked about having conversations with Wiseman. Wiseman will come up like, "Hey, what what do you do on the pick and roll with Steph? Like, what do I need to do in this offense?" And they have really liked his willingness to try to learn early on now 
he has to put that on the court, and there's going to be a ton of pressure on him early on. And like, are we talking about him maybe debuting like on Christmas Day in Milwaukee, like on that stage? Like, there's going to be some thorny moments early, probably. We're two weeks into the draft pick, whatever we are. I hear no regret at this point. None at all. He's going to catch a lob, and everybody's going to go crazy. And he's going to block a shot, you know, chase down somebody. When Ethan's evaluating everybody's shots, makes or misses in the first game, I thought, gee, Marcus, remember a point guard who was could not make a shot in, the, in his first preseason with the Warriors? Could not. Was like, we're going, that what is going on? by the name of Steph Curry. He, he uh, could not make a shot. He was like missing free throw shots. Wardell. Uh, and yes, then bad. the season started and the ball went in and it hasn't stopped. So, so you're saying that's what's going to happen to Melo, right? That's exactly yeah, because he's, he's, he's the next step. I'm just saying the first few games I think are totally different. And I don't, you know, I look at the Especially form. Especially in the yeah, empty arena, the, too. The empty right, arena, right. no summer league. I look at shot form, maybe. I'll look at the way they're moving, whether the shot goes in or not. I know we're making fun just of Just how confident right? we, they feel. Yeah. Taking it. Yeah. Exactly. Are, are they in the right spot? Does it look like it's going to go in eventually? And we'll see. We'll see for a lot of them. I was watching pregame shooting because it is one of the advantages oh, yeah. of being there. Here we and go. And it looked rough overall. It, like, it, guys were missing. Except for who? Guys were Except missing. for one who? guy. Yeah, one Except guy. for uh, who? One, one Adeline Smiley. <laughs> yeah. well, Tim, saw, Tim, did you not see it? <laughs> I saw it. No, he was flipping him in. He was flipping him in. But I, I was saying to you, I think I've seen guys do this in warm-ups a lot, and they don't. You know you know who never missed in warm-ups? You know who never missed warm-ups? Leandro Barbosa. Never missed in warm-ups. He missed a few times when he was playing. With that <laughs> with that releasing a dove shooting form of his. Never missing game six of the NBA Finals either. So maybe uh, maybe warm-ups are predictive. There you go. But there you yeah, Smiley Geach was, he hit a fadeaway three at one point. You and were then the lights too. come on. Then he gets that ball top of the arc, the Rashid Wallace three wide open. Here it is. And Ooh, I'm chasing the rebound. <laughs> you know who we've forgotten about this entire podcast pretty much is uh, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, Let's get him. I, I kind of dinged him at one point. He's just so Harrison Barnesy. He that shot is Harrison Barnes's shot. It's the exact shot. It's it's crazy. And I well, think I think somebody was saying he he's just got to attack the rim at some point. You know, he can do it. It was a bad sign off the bat. He gets Jokic isoed on the wing, and he takes a step back three. And it's like, yeah, he made it, but that's you got to get by that guy. You got to get by Jokic. Come on. Yeah, or try, try, you know. The funniest part of the Wiggins preseason was, you know, the 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 photo comes out and he's he looks a little bit buff because clearly he had just like, you know, bench pressed or something before he shot free throws. And he did look a little bit bigger. And then, you know, it explodes on Warriors Twitter and there's even these like increasingly larger photos of like Andrew Wiggins looking like Barry Bonds essentially. But then you know, Marcus asked about it. It kind of it becomes a mini story. Like, oh look, Andrew Wiggins, you know, got a little bit buffer this summer, and how will that help? And then Wolves people just flood in and go. Like, I saw one person and he sent four screenshots of four different preseason stories over Andrew Wiggins Wolves time. That was like Andrew Wiggins beefed up over the summer, and he's ready for his breakout. Andrew Wiggins and Zach Levine are ready. We've been through this before up here. We've seen it before, yeah. buddy. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it, Andrew. <laughs> are you guys doing that, somebody? That, that or that just Minnesota, Minnesota dialect? Who's that? <laughs> yeah. that? Better not be John, John Krasinski. Krasinski. Yeah, yeah. Be no, 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 not John Krasinski. No, on, it's, a regional, it's, it's a regional dialect. Well, I'll just say it's John doing. Krasinski. I'll just say it's John <laughs> it sounded like Fargo or something. Uh, that's that action. A lot of times, 
you know, there's these preseason ideas of something. And a lot of times you just look in a guy's past. And when you do have all these Wolves people going, look, look, we've read these stories. We've heard this. We've waited for the Wiggins breakout. And it just hasn't necessarily been there. We will see. This is probably a better system. And it's certainly a better spot in a pecking order for him than he was in Minnesota. But I think you're going to see a lot of nights like we saw in that preseason opener. Where Did you notice him much? You just can't play 19 minutes and not get a rebound. You can't do it. I don't know matter the circumstance. Preseason game, CYO pickup, whatever. It doesn't matter. You play 19 minutes and you're Andrew Wiggins, you can't get zero rebounds. You just can't. The only other person who did not get a rebound on the team was uh, Nico Mannion, probably. <laughs> we need to get to Nico Mannion. Nico didn't, didn't, didn't look great. I, I gotta say about Nico. He biffed that like, layup at the rim. I, it was like a really important one right at the end. That was maybe his best move. Was that was that layup that he that he smoked at the rim? But just the the release looked. It's like a long shot release. And hey, again, these these rookies are thrown into the fire. They, there's no summer league. It's a tough situation. But just quick and dirty takeaway first impressions. I, I didn't think it was a great showing for Manion. I thought he looked slow, you know, and that's not good. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. Again, early, early. But oh, did not five look like he, eight he, minutes. Yeah, it did not look like he could play. Three assists, though. Three assists, though. Yeah. Hey, he probably <laughs> has to Michael Mulder. It's Barry Lamelo. Thank you, Michael Mulder. Right. He's got. He's not small. You know. He's he's got some height to him, but God, he looks slow. He just looked like he can't beat anybody off the dribble, and I think that was the reason why he fell in the draft. Like just. Who's he going to beat athletically in the NBA at, at a very athletic position? But we'll see. I mean, they're if not counting not, him. He's got to. He's got to shoot. He's got to yeah. shoot oh, if he's absolutely. not going to do that. Absolutely. But he's not in. He's not in the rotation. He's not. I mean, he's not. He's two. He's on two way contract. I mean, like I mean, he makes sense as a as a project. Fine. You know, particularly in a two way, not a, not a roster spot. But what um, Slater was saying earlier about like you know Draymond saying get <laughs> get Wanamaker in the game like. <laughs> Wiggins, like, if he's not making shots, he can't do the disappearing thing. Like, he can't be like, I'm not going to be a factor if he's not making shots. He's three for eight, you know, eight points, missed two free throws. But it's like, that's it. That was his game right there. There was no other part of the game where he contributed. And that's the part he's got to get away from. He's got to bring something. It is noticeable, you know, it's this old Kansas guy, Kelly Oubre, is just doing stuff, right? I mean, you see what Oubre is doing. He's in somebody's face. He's deflecting the ball out of Jokic's hands. You know, he's contesting things, and Wiggins doesn't, you know, doesn't normally do it. His whole career is not doing stuff like that. And I think if you see Ubre or Wanamaker or Bazemore doing it, it's going to be even more glaring when you see Wiggins not doing it. Now they're going to be taking it, doing it, and it's good for the Warriors. But you're also going to say, what's Wiggins out there for if he's not hitting a three? If he misses his first two shots and he fades away, yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of shocked when Slater said that, but. I could see them thinking, well, you know, we don't need to play him for the final five minutes of these games. Now, I think he will. I think $33 million, even they even though they say they're not thinking about that, will pretty much make it mandatory for most games. But I get the sense of it. I get like, hey, let's just play a tougher lineup that's going to dig for the balls, is going to get to the rim, it's going to, you know, move the defense a little bit. And to this point, we have not really seen Wiggins do that in his whole career. He hasn't really done it. But then, then Wanamaker will be in the closing lineup and go over five. Yeah, no doubt. Like, hey, get him, get him out of there. Get him he, out. Of there. He's odd in the sense of there have been fourteen game awesome stretches, all star stretches in his career, forty point nights against 
Paul George where he's just taking it to Paul George. Historically, he's played very good against LeBron James. Some people say that that's because LeBron James basically traded him out of Cleveland, and he's always motivated on those nights. And there's even the the 12-game stretch when he came to the Warriors. He he had in that 12-game stretch, I believe he had five blocks in a game, which was a career high, and I believe another game he had five steals, which was like tied a career high. So those nights are there. He has impressed in that sense, but I think the general consensus on him is over the course of an 82-game season, he's just not even going to show up 40 of the nights. We will see. But that preseason game one, again, I'm like, I'm trying to even think about the game, and I just barely even remember noticing him much. Yep. And in a game when, when we were watching the wings, too. I mean, we were noticing wings, and he just kind of floated around. He didn't shoot the ball well, but, you know, four rebounds, two assists, three three blocks, like... Picking up Jamal Murray uh, full court at one point, which I liked. It's clear that they think Ubre is like definitely the more disruptive defender. And it, no question. No yeah. Question. So he's going to guard like he was guarding Michael Porter Jr. He was guarding Jamal Murray. Like again, let's not make him the, the defensive player of the year. He's not, but just a guy that can throw at somebody. Just just go go get that guy for a while. He reminds me of Clay because it seemed like he wasn't doing what he should be doing sometimes off the ball. So with a guy like that and he has some physical advantages, give him a job. Give him a job if you don't necessarily trust him to be the greatest off-ball defender. I think Ubre, in a weird way, despite not having a game that many people would analogize to Clay's game, is the Clay replacement, and there actually is overlap in terms of what they do and what they don't. Which was interesting. Steph started on Jamal Murray, too. I, I was interested in that, watching Kerr make that, move because that seems like the perfect situation where it's like all right Ubre, here's your clay road but he was like nah go ahead steph you got it which probably won't be the steady diet but it just shows that they'll probably share the duties more than normal i think Ubre less than clay. like clay you could be like 37 minutes workhorse you know uh, steve would always call him like he's like a golden retriever like never gets tired and you just put him out there the whole game on a guy Ubre to me seems a little bit more selective five possessions middle of the game just go bother jamal murray tell him hey you know the the consensus opinion out there is jamal murray's a much better player than you what do you think about that can you go guard him for five possessions because he will you can tell he's got that mentality of like i'm I'm just gonna make this guy's life hell for about three straight minutes i don't see him becoming like an every night 30 minute stopper of a score that's when they've got Wanamaker who can go guard some people. They've got Bazemore who can go guard some people. That's the difference with this season is they had zero options at it last season. And they've got, you know, three not, not incredible, incredible defensive players, but decent defensive players of varied, you know, sizes and strengths who can play some offense. That's the thing. And we're not even putting Wiggins in there. And I think they're hoping Wiggins is somebody that can, you know, they're going to put Wiggins on LeBron, you know, who's guarding Durant. In the first game, I'm not Draymond sure. Probably Ubre. Green. Yeah, that would be uh, probably that is probably true. That is probably true. if Draymond's back by then, he might not be back by then. I uh, think if he can be, he's gonna want to be unless he, <laughs> do, unless he doesn't feel like he's like, hey, I don't want to go out there and have KD drop a little 35 piece on me. But I think if Draymond feels like he's physically there, I mean, what what better way to to reintroduce yourself as an Woo. impact player? And then Giannis the next the next game too. Bang, bang. <laughs> That's be an interesting little double dip. I there. mean, it would end all the questions. We did not get to uh, Damian Lee, Marquise Chris, but we will have more podcasts. Uh, the Warriors play Sacramento Tuesday night. Tuesday, so, Thursday, both in sack. Tuesday, Thursday, both in sack. I won't be in the building. I imagine no one else will. Slater, are you going? No? I don't nope. think so. I, nope, I, Slater I, in the building? 
So next week we should have we should have some more action for you. Get a little deeper into it. Rotation's a little bit more set. Man, we're, we're, we are off. Uh, Ethan, what more uh, Smiley Geach analysis for you? Smiley Geach. Smiley Geach, LaMelo. We really you know, we cover a lot of territory here. Oh, oh Denny. <laughs> Denny. With the and then Ethan will start breaking down next year's draft. Oh, yeah. Obi no, Toppin. I, I, literally, literally. literally. I was, Obi Toppin looks small. That's my, that's my final he word. Did, he did. Yeah, he, he made some plays, but he did kind of look a little thin. Thin was what was surprised. Not Not imposing. Taylor Horton Tucker had 35, not There's to get two guy. Slakers on There's you guys. But. Slaker. There we There's go, Slaker. Slaker. By the way, to bring it all the way around, the, the guys I saw really killed at the G League Winter Showcase, uh, Horton Tucker and Smiley Geach. So, you know, you put that one <laughs> under your cap. Too bad Allen didn't drop a 35-10-5 and five in a oh, preseason it's coming. Game, it's man. coming. It's coming. You couldn't even drop that lefty dunk. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll have more. We'll, we will have more. All right, everybody. All right, until next time, peace out. Smile like Geech comes out just geeching all over the place. <laughs>